Happy Tuesday, ladies and gentlemen. This is episode number 175 of Shut Up and Grind with your host, yours truly, Robert B. Foster. If you are new to the show, we are all about overcoming odds, the fucking overcoming odds, overcoming obstacles, defying the odds, and just helping you clear the pathway to your goals, your dreams, your hopes, your wishes, whatever it is that you want this show to help you get there. So if, that's, if this sounds like something that's for you, stay tuned. If you feel like this might not be for you, stay anyway, because I'm going to change your mind. My guest and I are going to change your mind. If you're joining me over on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel. I'm trying to build an audience over there, because why not? There's people there, so I may as well be there too. So please subscribe to the channel. If you're joining me on Facebook, please like and share. Don't keep this good information all to yourself. And if you're joining me on the audio from any of the podcast platforms, please give us a five-star review because we are just that good. And I appreciate you. And if you have no idea who I am or why you should even listen to me, this is for you. I started doing workshops and doing groups where I'm getting up in front of of others, like outside of the gym setting and talking about resilience and perseverance and goal setting and vision and taking action. You should know what one hour of your time is worth. You should know the value that you bring to the marketplace. You know what your passion is. starts with clarity of vision. If you don't have the clarity of vision, whatever next thing you get, you're not going to see it through because you don't have the clarity of vision. So the, the point of my pain was being told you will never run or jump again. And all that stuff, I was like, you know what? Like, I want to be able to take this even bigger. If you know why you do what you do, you have to know how to charge for what you do. That's how you're going to change your life, and that's how you're going to leave a legacy for your children and your family. you got to know your work. And that's me. All right, so before I introduce my guest and we get the show rolling, you know we have to do the teachable moment of the day. And so now I know I've shared this a couple of times before, but it's my show, damn it, I can share it again if I want to. So this is a quote from the book that I am writing, and it says, you weren't born to simply exist and then die. Each one of us were born with a unique skill set, with a unique perspective on life, and without interference from others, we would naturally become who we were meant to be. So why do I share that? Because we're going into Thanksgiving. It's all about being thankful, having gratitude, and all that good stuff. But I want to flip it a little bit, and I want you to focus on you. Like Like, what do you want? So it's good to be thankful for things and thankful for people in your life. But I want you to look in the mirror and have a conversation with yourself. And like, are you happy? Are you content? Are you settled? You know, because they're not in alignment. So like when I ask people, are you happy? Like, well, I'm content. That's just another way of saying you're not happy. Right. So we want to bring out the best in you. But it starts with having that conversation with yourself. Because I've been there myself. Had a good, good paying job, had benefits and all that, all the other bells and whistles that came along with it. I was good at it. I got recognized. I got promotions. I got awards. But inside, that wasn't me. Like, that wasn't who I was meant to be. I was doing what society wanted me to do. I was doing what someone without a college degree was supposed to be doing. And I was conforming to what the world wanted me to be. And then I took my power. And then I stepped into my greatness. And now I'm here with you. And I want to help you all do the same. And my guest is also going to share an amazing story. So as you all know, I, I really don't pre-screen the guests. I just kind of get a vague idea of what they're about because I want them to talk about themselves when we're on the show. And I don't do it scripted. So you always see me with, with, with my notebook. I write down stuff that they say, and then I expand on what they say. So I did dig a little, little bit into my guest's backstory. I was like, holy crap. So we have a lot that we're going to unpack here because she's accomplished some truly, truly amazing things and continues to accomplish amazing things. So help me welcome to the show, Stacey Ann Russell. Hello, hello. Good morning. 
Good morning. How's life out there in Southern California? It's good. It's warming up a little bit for the holidays. So we, we love to see it. So we just spoke backstage about how it's cold over here where we are. And you, the first words out of your mouth are it's warming up. Come on. Yeah, nothing too crazy. <laughs> just just mid-80s. Nothing too crazy. That, that's it. Just mid-80s. <laughs> yeah, that's our summer. <laughs> mid-80s. Oh, man. Are you originally from there? No, no. I'm originally from the Bronx, New York. The Bronx. Yeah. Okay. All right. Shout out to the Knicks. We're back. <laughs> uh, they're backish. Backish. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> yeah, I was actually born in Far Rockaway. Mm. Yeah, the rest the rest of my family is from Brooklyn, but our apartment in Brooklyn caught fire when my mom was pregnant with me. <laughs> so that's why I was born in Far Rockaway. Oh, but right. but raised up here in Little Rudy though. <laughs> so big difference from you know the big fast moving city and I grew up in the woods in Rhode Island. So yeah. like yeah. culture shock. <laughs> Definitely right. I got that too. I got a story for that too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, yeah, I'm, I'm sure that's that's going to come up in conversation. Mm-hmm. So, all right, so first, again, welcome. Thank you for taking the time out of your day to share your stories and your experiences with myself and and the crew. So, you know, this is heard in over thirty different countries. So, you know, we get uh, some 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 global some global motivation that we have going on here. So, all right, ready to dive in? Yeah, let's do it. All right, so we're gonna get to know to know you better first, and then, then we'll get in on the main topics. But uh, how would you describe yourself? <laughs> Good question. <laughs> I I think quarantine actually allowed me to have the time to think about this, uh, how to describe myself without saying what I do. Yeah. So if I had to describe myself, I would say that I am a source of love and freedom. So everything mm-hmm. that I do, I want to make sure that I'm doing it in love and exercising freedom at that time love it see and i'm glad what you what you just said because when i ask people that this question excuse me a lot of times i get like a mini resume you know (laughs) and i was like no it's like that's what you do like if you strip all of that away what are you about Mm -hmm. like when people when people ask me you know because i'm into motivational speaking and stuff and and like you know what are you all about and i'm like competition it's the first, first word that like like the real me right to the heart yeah. of the matter is I live to compete. I don't care what I don't care if I'm playing tic tac toe with the kids. <laughs> it's like you put the rally cap on, let's go. You want to play me? Let's go. It's like my my soul is just fueled by by competition. Like I told I told my kids already, just be ready because I'm gonna be that grumpy old man. Because <laughs> when I'm not able to, to compete at the level that I'm used to, <laughs> you know, that's right. going to mess with me. So I'm like, just be be prepared. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, it's too funny. So I love that. The source of love and freedom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So d- describe that for me. Let's go, let's go a little deeper into that one. Yeah. So I think for me, love is, is more about, you know, I think people, we feel like people have to earn love, but mm-hmm. you really could just be love. You can demonstrate love. So am I doing this in love? I don't like to do things that I think I should do. So you mentioned this, right? I was doing what society told me what to do, all these Mm -hmm. things. Yeah. I want to be able to wake up and genuinely show up and uh, be present, right? So I try to do things in love and make sure if it's just now, listen, I'm from New York, I'm Jamaican. So there are times where love is not present. <laughs> That's awesome. Just to keep it one hundred, right? Like there yeah. are times when love is not present, and and I just need to be self aware enough to know, like, this is not a good time, right? Yes. <laughs> like, let me excuse yes. myself. Let's let's do this at a different time. And for freedom, I just need to be able to creatively approach situations and determine the next step without any coercion or restraint. So I literally set up my life that way. I don't like to wake up to alarm clocks. I don't like to like if there is a restraint or I'm going to try to remove that first and foremost, Mm. I'm going to try to find someone to remove that for me. And I like to do that for other people as well. See, I love that, too, because too many times in life, we just complicate our own lives. Like We complicate. So you know, I'm a gym owner as well. My first class is at 5.15 in the morning. 
And people always, people always say, how do you get up that early? I was like, check, check this out, right? On here, there's a clock feature, right? You hit that clock feature and you set an alarm. And right below it, where it says snooze, you click disable. So that way, when the alarm goes off, you have to get out of bed. <laughs> it's like, you know, just like what you were saying, if there's a crutch, you got to remove the crutch. You know? It's so funny. I've never, is there a disable feature? <laughs> yeah, yeah, there is. <laughs> yeah, I, I disabled mine like, it was like six years ago. I went to um, a fitness mastermind and that was one of the first things that the keynote spe speaker mentioned. He's like, if any of you guys hit snooze, that's the reason why you're sitting at this conference. I was like, whoo, he came out swinging. <laughs> I was like, damn. That's good. That's good. <laughs> yep. Yep. He's like, if you're starting each day procrastinating, he's like, that's why you're here. I was like, okay. Yeah, that, that hit deep. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that hit real deep. So, but, but yeah, just um, going back to what you were saying about, about just, you have to make happen what, what you want to happen. Like you have to make it happen. Like if you want to get fit, there's stuff you have to do. If you want to start a business, there's stuff you have to do. You know, if you want time freedom, there's stuff you have to do. Right. <laughs> you know, and right. If, if you're not doing that stuff, guess what you're not going to get? <laughs> <laughs> what you want. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. I, I had the, I had the real talk one, one of my clients about two hours ago. And she's like, oh, it's like this breathing. She's like, you know, I'm always having trouble with, with cardio. And one of the other women in class, he's like, no, well, did you try this? Did you try this? I said, no, no. I said, this has been off and on since 2014. Oh. I said, because she comes, she quits. She comes, she quits. She comes, she quits. Mm -hmm. I said, if you want to stop feeling like that, stop quitting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? consistency is big. Consistency is big. And it's not natural. I think we underestimate how learned being consistent is. And we don't give us ourselves enough time to demonstrate consistency um, in any particular thing because we're always doing something else, yeah. something more. So yes. And I hear that in the fitness world all the time. Oh, oh, I tried Weight Watchers. It didn't work. Well, how long did you stay on it? I did, I did it for like 30 days. I said, you realize in the grand scheme of life, that's nothing. Right. It's like 30 days is nothing. You right. know, it's like you have to try some. And like, if you would have told me six months, and you put in six months worth of effort and you didn't see anything. Okay. But 30 days, it's like, that's not trying <laughs> at, at all. You just basically handed them money and then did nothing with what, with what they gave you. You know, everything, right. everything, it takes time. When I started this podcast, God, I didn't know what I was doing. You know, <laughs> I didn't know where I was going to find guests. I'm like, why are people going to listen to me when there's celebrities out there that have podcasts? And, mm -hmm. and now I do three, three shows a week and I'm booking out into April. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes, but, I remember. You that's right. <laughs> that's right. Like, um... <laughs> I know people were messaging me saying, uh, your calendar's broken. <laughs> I'm like, no, it's not broken. Like, I'm really not booking till then. <laughs> you know, but it's all about starting. And like you said, just I just kept showing up and just kept mm -hmm. taping and just kept taping. And, you know, I had no guests at first, and I finally got that one guest, and then I got two guests, and next thing you know, I was booked four months out. I was like, holy crap, like, I need to do another day, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and then I, I added, added a third day. But, yeah, consistent, showing up and being consistent, like, that's, that's the recipe for success. I love that. Yes. All right. So how would you describe your upbringing? <laughs> well, I mentioned I was Jamaican. Yes. <laughs> so my upbringing, I think we always in my family, we were we were taught to be super confident, right? Like you meet a Jamaican, you will know they brand themselves. We got you know gold, yellow, and black, or gold, green, and black all the time. Um, I was also uh, born and partially raised in the Bronx, so you know that New Yorker vibe. Yeah. And so I think. From an identity standpoint, I was extremely confident in who I am. I always felt like I could voice my opinion to a certain extent because, you know, my mother and father did not play that. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I think I've always had like a source of freedom. I grew up around a lot of family, a lot of love. Um, so a lot of cousins, <laughs> a lot oh, of cousins, yeah. aunts and uncles. My mom was like, nine of 11 and my dad was like 
six of eight. So um, huge family. And I felt, I think growing up, like I just felt unstoppable. Like you could not tell me that there was something I couldn't do. As a matter of fact, I dare you. Yeah. Dare me to tell, dare me, dare me. Like, (laughs) so I think that was pretty much my upbringing. Um, A lot of, a lot of stuff in church. So like that, I think what's interesting about growing up in the church is uh, understanding like relationships and like a deep sense of loyalty, even without necessarily because you can't see God, like not not receiving. So I think that whole giving and being there without necessarily receiving something um, taught me really young what it meant to have a non-transactional relationship. And I don't think I could have appreciated that um then it was just something that you know we, we had to do we had to go to church we had to read the bible and stuff like that but now yeah. i understand the importance and uh having non-transactional relationships especially in today's world true very true so would you say there's a difference between jamaican culture and american culture <laughs> absolutely yeah absolutely. How, how so so my uh my best friend and I talk about this all the time. My best friend, she's from Mansfield, Ohio, which mm-hmm. if you don't know where that is, it's like in between Cleveland and Columbus. Okay. <laughs> so, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and so we we talk about um, some of the things like, you know, I'm just like, I'm, when I enter the room, I'm like full of life. Like I always have a flag somewhere around me <laughs> here. Um, <laughs> like the relationship like i talk to my family all the time like all day long yeah. every day there's like somebody <laughs> to, to talk to but i think one of the most interesting things that we talk about all the time is like my my family came over in the 80s and so i actually have like a disconnect sometimes to like things that happened in the civil rights movement or mm. some of the history because i learned it the same way that we learn it in school Right. My I grew up now. If you ask me about Marcus Garvey, if you ask me about Jamaican history, I could tell you that all day long, right? And so that that dynamic is is super interesting too. Um, yeah. So I think some of that, the way that men and women interact, it's different. It's different. Yeah. It's all I, I love it though. It's it's I love the diaspora. It makes me appreciate it more. Yeah, yeah, because you know, d- diversity diversity is everything. And it's just, just nothing worse when, you know, just people think that everyone's the same, you know? It's like if, if, if your skin's a certain color, then you're just this. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's not me, though. <laughs> it's so you funny. Know? She put me on to this thing. I, I will never forget. I think I was like 18 or 19, and she put me on to this thing called grits. <laughs> I was like, what? Kind of make me spit out my water. <laughs> so, even some of those cultural things, like, you know, I was just figuring out. I didn't know. I was like, y'all bake macaroni and cheese? What is this? Like, <laughs> so, it was, it was interesting, like, just to hear it. And, but what's crazy is, our our families and our our uh, philosophies around relationships and friendships are are super similar. So yeah. you have two people growing up in very different environments and still having such deep connections. It's it's yeah beautiful. See, so yeah, one thing that this show has taught me because I've had guests on from six of the seven continents, mm-hmm. and I've heard like everybody wants the same stuff. <laughs> you know, I had this I had this woman from Thailand whose whose parents they were pressuring her into to, to becoming like a doctor or something along those lines. But in her heart, she knew she had a heart for service. But you know, she went in, into college because of the pressure of, of of her parents, and then you know, she ended up pivoting down down the line into doing what she's doing now. And I was like, truly, you know, we all want the same thing. Like going back to the quote in my book. You know, if if people would just leave people alone, they would naturally <laughs> blossom into what they want to do. It was like I wanted to do something like this and, and speaking ever since I, I was a teen, you know, and now God God rest his soul, he wasn't wrong, but my father my, my father saw the computer boom. You know, this is we're talking like late 80s now when, when the computers just started coming out because he was an engineer and he's like, you want to go into computer engineering? <laughs> I was like, uh, I really don't, though. 
<laughs> you know, I was like, I was like, I want to, I want to perform some type of performance, whether it's an actor or just whatever it is, you know. But, but I let that get in my head, you know, and it derailed me. And but it all came full circle because here we are, you know. So yeah. now, like, like I've been on TV, I've been on radio shows, you know. And like I said, if we just leave people alone and just let them blossom, you know. But we're not taught that. I know. We're not taught that. We're not taught to like explore who we are. We're yes. taught to get jobs, right? Yep. And we're taught to survive. And it's so funny. I remember I'm the youngest of three daughters. And I remember my my middle sister, uh, she got her degree in agricultural business, like did an internship at Coca-Cola down in Atlanta. And I remember I had the time of my life. I visited her while I was in high school. They gave me free Fruitopia. So I was in heaven, football tickets, all this stuff, right? And so everybody was like, okay, she has like a quarter left. So obviously you're gonna take the job at Coca-Cola. And she told my parents, my wonderful Jamaican parents who left their country to come to America to give us a better life, um, that she was going to go to LA to be an actress. And so you can imagine how that went down, right? And she's here now. She's a um, she's a screenwriter. You know, she nice. works she works for a production company, and it's like. Um, it took her much longer, I think, because, you know, our parents, they're in survival mode. They were like, yeah. they're probably like your father. Like, hey, I get that you have dreams, but you also need to eat. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So growing up, what did you see yourself doing for a career? Like, did you have some type of childhood dream? Yes, yes. I think initially right i always thought that i would be a teacher so i thought i would be a teacher i think maybe because i like to tell people what to do i'm not really sure (laughs) (laughs) so um but you know they give you those little life skills tests Mm. and um I, i feel like teacher came up so i was like oh okay that's cool but I mean, I was like really good at chess. I was really good at sports, but sports was not an option. Mm. We're not, we're not doing that. That's you don't make careers out of sports. So even though I was really good at tennis, I was like um, number two in the city um, nice. for the New York Junior Tennis League when I was ten, and it was like a twelve and under group. Yeah. That was the, we're not doing that. <laughs> I mean, there. I mean, there is there is this this one Jamaican guy named uh, Usain Bolt. Yeah, right, right, exactly, exactly. So we weren't doing that. Um, So there were a lot of things that I enjoyed, but never that I considered what I would do growing up. And then eventually um, I got into um, music and I was like, oh, I'm definitely going to do music. I'll play the violin, this, that, and the other. And I remember at the time we had moved to Ohio and I remember my um like the cleveland orchestra being like you know if she worked really hard this was like in middle school she worked really hard like she could come on tour with us and my parents were like how she goes to school that's not happening so that was a dub and finally, <laughs> like, <laughs> finally like i was really good at taking things apart like electronics like really good at taking things apart and most of this time i was good at putting it back together <laughs> not always <laughs> and i think people naturally stirred me toward math and science and um once i once we gave the you know being a violinist dream mm-hmm. to bed once we put that to bed i knew i was going to be an engineer i was just like this is this is it nice what what branch of engineering so originally I wanted to be a mechanical engineer. So I, okay. in my mind, I was going to, um, you know, go to school, uh, work at the BMW plant, make my own engine by myself, of course, of course. etch my name, etch my name in the side of it, retire and be rich. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that was great. It was a great plan. Um, found out that they had like a BMW plant in North Carolina. They had this thing called sweet tea. I had never experienced, but it was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and so it was, it was a plan. Um, but I ended up graduating with my, um, industrial and systems engineering degree. And that set off a chain I couldn't 
possibly imagine. Okay, as- speak on it. <laughs> Go right ahead, speak on it. So as I as I was in college, you know, I went to the Ohio State University for undergrad. Go Bucks! We might we're coming out with a ring this year. Trying to come out with that ring. Mm-hmm. Um, I I did internships in automotive, so I was working on engines, and I was mm-hmm. like, Yo, these people not on, not only do they like hate their job, but I don't think they want to go home to their family either. <laughs> <laughs> So as an 18 and 19 year old, I was like, uh, I gotta do <laughs> I need a different plan. <laughs> this is not it. And so I remember going to my advisor and I'm like, hey, where do the cool engineers kick it? Like, where are they? Like, what what is their major? Like, if I'm good at math and science, but I also like people. <laughs> and they're like, okay. What about industrial systems engineering? And so I did that and I was like, that's great. I love processes. I love optimizing them, making things go uh, better, faster, um, bigger, all of that. And I ended up becoming a nuclear engineer after that. Wow. I think everyone was surprised. I love how you say ended up. (laughs) You know, like if I'm driving and I I take a wrong turn, I could end up at the wrong place. How do you end up a nuclear engineer? It's the wildest thing. So I ended up like interviewing for a company and I interviewed for different departments. I thought I would always be either like a traditional manufacturing industrial engineer uh, type person, or maybe I would do something around supply chain. Um, But as part of this, there was this nuclear engineering group and I was like, oh, I know. This ain't it, but we'll we'll go through the motions. Mm-hmm. And I just fell in love with the group of people there and um with what they were doing. I was like, oh, like I love like how are we storing energy? How are we making it available? Like when you're not hooked up to something. And so I thought that was fascinating. <laughs> and it was just a match. I was like, I want to be in this group. And they were like, oh, well, that group wants you. And okay. <laughs> that's how so, we got there. All right. So what did you see yourself doing with that? I don't know that I'm getting paid. Like, <laughs> 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 I didn't have a plan. I was just like, yes, I got my degree. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm making money. Like, I told myself being fly, nails done, hair done. <laughs> <laughs> Living this is that American dream. Right? <laughs> I feel like this is what happens when you, like, come from humble beginnings and you, like, make your first break. You have, I was in it. I was like, yes, you out here. You're going to Jamaica every year. Like, so. <laughs> All right. I, ha- I have to ask you, but before we get deep, deeper into it. So, I don't know how much main- mainstream t- TV you watch. Mm-hmm. But, you know, so have- having parents that that are from jamaica mm-hmm. and then they like you said they came here to give you guys a better life mm-hmm. and then you you watch our news here and they just constantly bash this country <laughs> you know it's like how that like just you know i mean obviously you were born here but just you know having having parents who immigrated here is like how does that make you feel so so it was interesting because I remember when I was, I think I was a teenager and I asked my mom, because I have like a huge family in Jamaica, yeah. you know, and it was always like a stark contrast where you, you have a country where everyone, like most people look like you and you have people who look like you in power and, yeah. you know, we have all this, you know, we have land and, you know, it's just a different vibe, right? Yeah. And everybody's so proud to be Jamaican, even if they're different, if they have different ethnic backgrounds. So there's a lot of different ethnic backgrounds in Jamaica, but the pride comes from being Jamaican. So I remember asking my mom, like, hey, you do this on purpose? And her response was like, girl, they told us the streets were paved in gold and boy, oh boy, were we surprised when we got here. Mm. (laughs) And so, and it wasn't that it wasn't a better opportunity, but it was like very different than I think um, from what people see outside 
of America. And so for them, it's like they're coming here and there's obviously like racial tension between black and white people, but there's also like this this now tension between black Americans and, you know, Caribbean people or, you know, people that come from the continent of Africa. And it was like, whoa, like I'm literally just here trying to work. <laughs> I'm, trying to live. I'm trying to raise three kids in New York. Like <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to get this done. Um, yeah, I, I was on- they had to learn a lot very quickly. Yes, like I was on a debate panel and we were we were you know discussing race and race relations and all that, and <laughs> one of the guys, you know, coincidentally he he's a white guy, and he was like, oh, I I studied race relations and I this and I that, and I was like, hey, guess what though? I've been black my entire <laughs> life, forty seven years, forty seven years running. Guess how many times I got chased by the Klan? Zero, absolutely zero. You know, so my biggest point on that show was. Even, okay, let's just say white supremacy is a major problem here and racism is a major problem here. People are flooding the border to get here. They're like, I'll take my chances over there. I think it's different though. I think it's different. I think one of the things, I literally just had this conversation this weekend. I think it's different because regard like we in those countries like and i and i can only speak of you know some of the islands but mainly jamaica like they're actually advocating for you to get to america right so you if you're smart and you or you're talented they are going to actually help you get to jamaica and and try to make that process as smooth as possible i feel like growing up in in America, like I'm constantly trying to prove, mm. right, that I'm smart enough, talented enough, you know, can produce and deliver. Whereas I think that that is not the case in other countries. Other countries will, will recognize it and reward it. And here, I'm not so sure that that's the, the case. Like you, 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 you can do it, but that doesn't mean you're going to be recognized and rewarded for it unless mm. like, you got to have like the stars align here, right? Yeah. And so I think that's the that's the difference. Yeah, there's a lot of politics here too because so many things get blown out of proportion. Like I've been to, thir- to 33 states in this country mm-hmm. and I, I, I meet nice people, all, all races, oh, sure. all religions, all genders. Mm-hmm. Like there's just nice people everywhere, but only the assholes make the news. You know, that's and, right. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's, it's like the the local me- media they'll they'll, ha- they'll have you thinking if you're a person of color, you walk outside your house, there's gonna be a cop waiting right there with a gun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like it's, yeah. it's it's really really not that bad. You know, but I just wanted wanted to, to get your perspective because I had I had an Israeli immigrant on my show. This was I think he was episode number forty one. I want to say so it was last year. But he said he came here, him and five five other people, they, they left Israel, came here with a thousand bucks. Said they they got, uh, like, a th- it was either a studio or a one-bed apartment that they all shared. Mm-hmm. They took some of that money, they, they bought a beat-up van, they, they restored it, and they just started cleaning businesses. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know if, you, if you've heard of Restoration 911, but that's his company. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, like it's a it's a national multi million dollar franchise now, and he he's like it boggles my mind how people say that they hate this this country. <laughs> he's like we literally came here with just a thousand dollars. He's like we could not have done this in Israel. Yeah, I think it's I think it's I think it's it's different dynamics, right? We also yeah. like and for for a lot of Black Americans too. Like I don't know what it's like for my my cousins or my I mean I know a little bit now because we're older but yeah. brothers and cousins to like walk to school and like their life be in danger like I I can tell you though like as much as like I'm you know I'm very accomplished and well educated and and doing amazing things like I remember being agitated by NYPD like literally little kids playing in the playground yeah. and they and they're like picking with you and all this other stuff in the moment that you stand up for yourself now you now you're in an interaction with NYPD and so yeah. those things do exist and i think like i'm definitely sensitive towards that i think that the stories are different 
and the implications of things that has happened, you know, I am a beneficiary of the things that have happened to my ancestors, which yeah. happened to be good. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, and people are the beneficiaries of theirs too. And so it's, it's super interesting. This is a place where you can have multiple different stories. I think that, um, I think that there's like, there's a range though, for sure. Yeah. There's a range. Yeah, I mean, I def I definitely agree with that. Whenever I have these these you know conversations, like I never say this stuff doesn't happen. Yeah. I'm just saying it's not as widespread as it's as it's saying. Like you could even say if it's New if it's New York, Detroit, Chicago, LA, you know, like there's five there's five places. Okay, there, there's five. <laughs> there's a whole lot of other land. In precincts where this I don't know. It doesn't happen. happen here, though. I think I think if there's one thing that this has taught us is that it ha I I literally posted the other day. I was like, you know, obviously with the with the recent rulings that have happened, right? Yeah. I was like, the the problem is the fact that it can be random, right? Like mm -hmm. at any time that you can have random events. Yeah. with the same outcome. So I'm a systems engineer, right? So I'm yeah. looking at it from a purely like scientific and mathematical view. Yeah. And for me, if I'm running a design of experiments and I can involve the same variables in random places with random backgrounds and random situations and get the same outcome, then I would say and I believe most scientists and mathematicians would say that there is a pattern or there is a system at work. And mm -hmm. so I guess I'm, I, I take more of a, like a purist view to it. Like, yeah, there, it, it, it feels like it doesn't happen as often because how big it is, but it is consistent. Mm -hmm. And so what do you do? And this is, this is true, right? Like we can, we can bring this back to like our own lives. What happens when this doesn't happen that, it feels like it doesn't happen as often in the context of everything else, but it is a consistent result at the end of the day. Mm. Like, what do you do then? So I just think it's a, it's a very, it's such a, like, we, we don't have a robust enough conversation. About yeah. That. Yeah. I, I agree. I definitely agree with that. All right. So let's get back to you. <laughs> and, <laughs> all right. So you, you're in the engineering world and then at some point, you became an entrepreneur. Yeah, is that yeah. the journey? All right, so take me take me through. Yeah, so I'm I'm an I'm an engineer, nuclear engineer. I've always had like a um, passion for business. My dad worked in business, and so I I've always seen that side. But I was really really good at math and science, right? <laughs> <laughs> and so um, you you would see in my journey, like in, in undergrad, I ran a multi-billion dollar international nonprofit, right? So it's like those two, two things colliding. I'm doing um, nuclear engineering. I'm getting my master's in engineering. At a certain point, I transitioned to be, um, to working with 3D models and immersive environments. Um, so I'm having fun. Like, I'm literally like, <laughs> like models, like, I'm just having fun. Yeah. Um, decided to go work with radars after that. And I realized that I am missing the big picture. It's like, I'm here, I'm making these, like, I have these uh, manufacturing cells, they're making radars that both this atmosphere and in space, but why? Mm. Why am I doing these things? And so I went and got my MBA at University of Southern California. And that's when I was like, oh, there's a bigger picture here. And I'm tired of people telling me what to do. And I went into consulting. Um, I went into consulting for some time doing manufacturing innovation. So this was my way of trying to bridge what I was experiencing on the engineering side and the entrepreneurship side. So I'm doing manufacturing innovation. How might we like create new product lines um, to get new products into the market that never existed? What do I need to think of from a business standpoint? and from an engineering standpoint to make this a success for, for a product launch. And I realized that when it comes to products that 
really are complex, um, that there was a gap in knowledge of how do I create this complex product, but in a way that doesn't make me feel like I have to convince somebody to buy it, even though I know it's what they want. So how do I, how do I design and manufacture with that thoughtfulness in mind? And subsequently, I'm seeing that my colleagues, people in my community, they have all these great ideas, right? Mm -hmm. and, the, and they don't know what to do with it. This is like, <laughs> I, got, I have this great idea. I think I could start a business, but I don't really know what that entails. There's disparate information all over the place. And honestly, I got to work or mm -hmm. have family or I, the time that I do have to myself, I want to go to the spa or I want to travel, mm -hmm. or, you know, go to brunch. And so there was just this gap in information with what do I do? with an idea, especially a complex idea that I want to get out to the market, but I may not necessarily know the path there. So that's how I got to the business that I have now, where I help people launch and scale um, startups, particularly tech startups. Okay. So, so how did, how did you narrow it to that? <laughs> yeah, it was when I was in business school, um, I, I would always so a little backstory. I was part of this organization called the National Society of Black Engineers. Okay. Right. And um, I was a past national chair. And so um, with that, you know how it is, you know, they're, they're housed at campuses um, for the collegiate students. Their chapters are housed at campuses. You don't go to somebody's yard without announcing yourself. So I'm like, mm. I go to USC, I go over to their College of Engineering. I'm like, hey, what's up? I just want you to know I'm Stacey Ann, past national chair. I'm in Marshall if you need me ever, you know, cool. I just announced myself. And so I've, I end up having a relationship with um, their College of Engineering at the same time that they wanted to introduce these business concepts to engineers like they had a push that every freshman engineer should understand what entrepreneurship is so that they could maximize the opportunities they have upon graduation and so you could do you could get a job you could do research or you could start a business mm -hmm. and they needed business school students who could also speak the language of an engineer to help facilitate that programming and i ended up doing right. that and that started a, a whole bunch of partnerships <laughs> after uh, business school. Okay. All right. So when you say tech start startups, like what exactly? It's a gamut. Like it's it can be anything from highly tech enabled, which may be um, like using an app to do something different, or it could be as complex as like I've worked with teams who you've seen you know, have antivirals for COVID-19, right? Mm -hmm. Or they're repurposing, let's <laughs> get so technical, repurposing <laughs> a um, membrane in order to uh, clean water faster. So we have more fresh water or okay. extend food pre preservation. So it could be like a gamut of things. Um, that's where I love to play, uh, mm -hmm. but I think it's so important for people not to be able to lose their ideas and have the the biggest opportunity to monetize the ideas that are in their head because that is that's pure gold. All right, so I want you to partner up with the medical team and find a way to put cartilage back into my knees. Oh, that's done. Actually, that, that's done. Yes, my doctor sucks. Listen, I have, a, I, I have a homeboy. I have a homeboy. His name is Dr. Dickerson. <laughs> we, we know him as D. Like, <laughs> I have a homeboy where he, he has his PhD in biomedical engineering, and he actually created a company where they can take a um, piece of your uh, tissue and have it regenerate your own cartilage back in your joints. And so it's, yeah. <laughs> so my surgeon's fired. <laughs> yes. Like my uh, last, the last MRI on my knee, right? The physician's assistant comes over and she says, now, Robert, this is what a healthy knee looks like. 
and then she brings out the other page, and this is yours. <laughs> and mine looks absolutely nothing like the healthy one. So, like, I'm basically worn down all the, car- the carnivores. Remember earlier I said I'm all about that competition life? Yeah. So, like, when it comes to sports, I've played everything. Volleyball, basketball, football, track and field, soccer, baseball. Like, I- I've played all of it. And even now, at 47, I still play most of it. <laughs> so, you know, so it's just, just a matter of uh, wear and tear. But if that's a thing, I want that guy's name. Yes, yes. His name is Dr. Daryl Dickerson. Um, and he, if you can look him up on LinkedIn. He, uh, he has, he created this. He, he has a patent on it. Um, it's, it's good. And he was doing this while I was still trying to kick it in undergrad, right? And you know, and, and he's, I consider him like a big brother. So, you know, people are trying to explain this to you. And I'm just like, I'm trying to go to, you know, the alpha party. (laughs) (laughs) And here I am just busting chops and you actually know someone who can do it. Right. And you don't know the proximity. So like, I have like really dope and talented people that have been around me all my life. But it's like, you know, sometimes we don't give people their credit. (laughs) Yeah, like I was telling you backstage, like I, I want to say, all of my all of my guests were from the L.A. area last mm-hmm. week, and I uh, think think you'll vibe with a with a couple of them. I'll uh, definitely connect you to after this. Mm-hmm. So, all right, so you're helping these these tech startups. First off, how do you find them, or how yeah. or how do they find you? So, I actually like to partner with the organizations that are that are front facing to helping these startups, right? So it may be an accelerator or an incubator. Um, There are agencies that are dedicated to helping these startups like the National Science Foundation. There's um, embassies from different countries that also work to increase their exporting to the United States. And so I work with these organizations to say, hey, there is a structured way that you can take an idea and see if there is enough of a demand in the market for people to build a business around it and sustain it over time. So what does that look like for you to have a structured process and vet this and make sure that you're putting your weight and support behind um, the right companies at the right time? And so I think I, I had a conversation yesterday with someone at University of California, Irvine, and we were talking about how different startups are at different stages and they need different types of support. But we tend to just like do things like, oh, you need money or, oh, you need an Instagram handle. And it's like, no, you don't need any of those things (laughs) (laughs) right now. So how do you make sure you can assess where the startup is and the type of support that they need so that they don't prematurely um, fade out of the game before we've even vetted whether there's a demand for it or not. True. All right. So, so what's, so what's that process like? So like the people find you online, do they come, come in for a consultation? Like what's, what's your process to, to get to that vetting process? Yes. So for, if they're trying to contact me, um, individually, they can, they can find me online. So I have um, my Instagram handle at idea to pitch. That's at I D E A T O P I T C H. Um, that's one way to get into um, my system where I actually do like you know a masterclass, you know tidbits uh, here and there, and then I do have an online program that a person could go through to uh to vet their idea process um they can also go to uh my website that's another way to get to me which is uh daraja collective.com uh, and that's a uh, d-a-r-a-j-a collective.com um and that's another way people can reach it i love it hold on i'm adding that one to the screen so <laughs> i was trying to get it up before before you stopped talking <laughs> But I was like, oh, she finished already. All right. So what do you think is the number one thing that you help people with? Yeah. So I help people identify the value that they can bring to a specific group of people. 
And so I think, and I think this is, hear me when I say this is the most important thing. Um, the money is where the value resides. Yeah. <laughs> um, so true. So, yeah, a lot of times we see people that have really dope technologies or really dope products or ideas or solutions, and they're so committed to that idea that they miss the fact that they're supposed to be doing it for another person, right? Yeah. And so it's like, one, how do I identify that group of people? How do I get in front of that group of people? And then how do I have a, a meaningful, unbiased conversation with that person so that they can communicate to me what their gap is, and then I can then build that value into a product. I tell people, I, I tell people this in my masterclass, like my ability to sell things before I create it is because I understand how to extract value um, or understand where there's a gap in value with people. Um, and so now I'm not convincing you that my product works. It's I'm, I'm tailoring something to to what you say you need and it's like mm. you can hop on or you can hop off and people really rarely do they hop off yeah last year i created well i technically finished it this year because i had to recreate it because i screwed it up the first time <laughs> but you know when my gym got shut down last march it was when i i mean i started the podcast beforehand but i wasn't con consistent with it so i started doing it consistently once the gym got shut down mm -hmm. but I joined a bunch of different mastermind groups because as I stated earlier, I dropped out of college three three times. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so like I joined like I joined different mastermind groups and I, I, I traveled all over the country going to, to workshops and, and stuff to learn the things that I needed to learn. So I had joined one about Facebook ads, I joined one about media and branding, and I joined the third one too. But anyways, wait, so I'm in these I'm in these virtual challenges. And people really, really suck at introducing themselves, right? <laughs> really, really bad. And so as I'm as I'm sitting into these things, I'll, I'm sitting here and I'm taking notes in my notebook like I always do. I was like, you know, what? I said, let me let me start reaching out to some of these people. I said, hey, you know, Rob, I, I just made this up. I don't know if it's a thing, but I'm like, I'm a storytelling coach. I was like, and I can help you package your personal story if if you'd like. And so people, oh, great. You no, know, I would love that. I would love that. And so, like, I met with about maybe 20 people or so. I'm like, there's definitely a need for this. Mm -hmm. And kind of kind of like what we said backstage, where I was like, I'm going to ask you to describe yourself. Because, like, that thing throws people off so for badly, sure. so badly. And so I, I came up with this, with this program. I called it Speak About Yourself Out Loud. Mm -hmm. And the, with the, the first iteration of it, I had too much in it, you know, so mm -hmm. like I had, I had a couple people beta testing and it was just too much because like I had business stuff mixed in there and marketing <laughs> stuff and branding stuff like I had way too much. So I completely did away with it and I condensed it to four modules and it's just about taking your personal stories and making it something bigger. So if someone wants to write a book, if they want to do a blog, if they want to you know, speak on podcasts, if they want to speak on stages. You know, like you can take your personal stories and know what to do with them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you, you mentioned two very important things that I see um, entrepreneurs struggle with. And and for me, I've worked with global corporations alike. So whether you've been like an established business or you're just starting out, two things that people really miss is one, you have to be where your customers are at. There's no way that you would have gotten that information to even get going if you were there like, hey, they keep doing this thing <laughs> yep. and I and they want to do better, but they keep missing the mark on this. Right. Mm -hmm. And so one, like you have to get out and you have to talk to your potential customers. So many times people like are like, oh, I got this for you. You don't know me. You don't have anything for me, right? So getting out um, in front of your potential customer and then listening to what they have to say, not trying to convince them of what you believe is like a very key thing. And then the other thing that you said was the fact that you, you had to iterate. And that's another thing. Like when you start off with a product or a service, it rarely is going to be the version that makes it to market 
yeah. right? Yeah. Because you're learning and you're growing and you're understanding. You may be an expert at the product, but you're not an expert at the outcome that another person is trying to get. They know yeah. the outcome better than you ever will. And yeah. your job as an entrepreneur is to say, based off of the outcome that they are looking for, what solution can I provide to help them get there? And you have to be open to that looking different from what you initially started with. So I'm glad you mentioned that because being where your customers are at and then knowing that it's an iterative process, like those are two things that I really see, like that's the Achilles heel of a new entrepreneur. Yes. <laughs> yep. And then you just said, said the key words that a lot of people miss is what problem are you solving? You know, it's like, I'll, I'll speak, speak to people. Like, oh, I want to do X, Y, Z. I said, okay, great. Why? Oh, you know, cause there's a huge market for it. And I said, no, but what, but what are you solving? You know, it's like, what are you solving with this? So with, with my gym, I tell people it's like, yeah, I sell confidence. And I actually went to a mastermind meeting and you know, like one of the uh, instructors, he like slammed down the table. He's like, he's like, you can't measure that. He's like, if you can't measure it, you can't grow it. But that's, but that's what I do. You know, <laughs> going back to the whole, not letting other people interfere with you. Yeah. You know, like, this, like this, especially nowadays with the younger generation, because they're not taught to be confident. And I mm -hmm. see it when I speak in schools, like, like they're just not, they're just not taught that. So I tell people, you know, I help women because I, I, my clientele is 95% female. Mm -hmm. So I say I help women lose two to three dress sizes within 90 days so they can walk with confidence again. You know, and like, it it's like they, they get the, the two to three dress sizes and they like that, but it's that last sentence so they can walk with confidence again. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like that's the hook to get them in, mm -hmm. you know. And so, it's like, and you can even so as a person who loves to loves data <laughs> right um i think that we have such a purist view sometimes at what data is like it's just numbers or just this but you can also ask your customers or the group you want to sell to how they would measure it and yeah. so therefore you take the onus off of you of having to know everything it's like if a if a person comes to me and tells me that they just want to feel better. Okay, like how would you know that you felt better today? Yes. Or tell me the last time that you knew you felt better than when, where you started at. And then, and so as an entrepreneur, your job is to get that information and make sense of it and say, oh, okay, like my like this clientele feels better when they lose dress sizes. And therefore, that's what I'm going to communicate back to them. That's simple. You don't have to convince anybody about that because I know if I lost two or three dress sizes right now, your girl would be ecstatic. <laughs> <laughs> right? So yeah. um, it's, it's super important. It's super important work. And I love that space. I feel like there's so much potential. I feel like we lose a lot of great ideas um, because that information is not available to people. And I want to make sure that regardless of if you are a middle school student or you are a sitting in someone's C-suite office, if you have an idea, you have the ability to think it through in a structured process as to whether there's something there or not. And then you can decide whether you want to take it to the market, whether you just want to put it to somebody else to take to the market, or it's not even worth pursuing. All of those outcomes are okay as long as you you're not sitting there wondering if for the rest of your life yeah and and don't be afraid to put your own twist on it because you know the term personal development is like so overused out there but i tell people like i'm, I'm actually a personal development coach <laughs> fitness is the platform you know because yeah. like if someone goes to to counseling you know that 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 counselor they're going to be helping them personally develop but just exactly. that therapy session is the platform and even my daughter my uh, younger daughter she plays softball and so i do conditioning with her team on sundays and i use that as an opportunity to build them up it's like yeah you know i'm making them run and making them do push-ups and squats and everything but i always i always give those teachable moments 
yeah. where I'm like, do you see what you're feeling right now? How you're breathing heavy, how you're sweating. This is when the games are won right here. It's like how you perform in this moment is going to shape how you do things in real life as you guys get older. Yeah. You know, it's the, you know, they're between 14 and 17 year, years old, but it's like, like, I'm not just here to make you sweat. I'm here to let you know that what you're capable of, because life's mm-hmm. going to try, tr- life's going to try to break you. Like that Absolutely. doesn't matter who you are. Life's going to try to break you. So this moment right here is to let you know that you're hard to break. You know? Absolutely. So it's not yeah. just about the fitness aspect. You know, like, like like they're getting that personal development in there as well. And even when I'm training speakers, it's like it's like don't just tell your story, pull them into your story. You know, because mm-hmm. like when I get on stage, I don't need a PowerPoint presentation. You know, cause yeah. Because like, like they say, every couple minutes you wanna you wanna get them to focus on something different. I don't have to do that because I put them into my story. Like everything <laughs> I say, you can feel it, and you're right there with me. But like if I stop talking. They're like just yeah. waiting, waiting for what's next, you know. Yeah. So it's it's all it's all in how you deliver it, and then you got to take someone like like you, because I am not a data person. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's probably the worst part of my world as an entrepreneur. Uh, I, used, I used to drive my business coach insane. How, how many leads did you get this week? I don't know. Like how many people left? I don't know. I was like, but. But so-and-so lost X amount of pounds. So-and-so climbed up the rope. So-and-so ran a mile without stopping. It's like I'm so invested into the people. And mm-hmm. then it's like I just got to find someone to handle that end of it. <laughs> yeah, data, data is powerful. But what you said is also is also data, too. And so we have this, um, we have this principle in my company where it's like data, data drives decisions right and data can be captured in numbers thoughts ideas um observations and therefore we capture all data and so what i push my team to do is if you are working on something and you're like you know what i think this will be a good idea like you better have like a parking lot doc google doc that everybody can access you know you do not let ideas escape do not let thoughts uh escape do not let numbers (laughs) go unattended right (laughs) like these are the things like you know because it drives the things that we do and we just want to make sure that we're conscious when we're making those decisions and having that data whether they are like hey you know every time this per every time i take a group of people and they do uh hill runs then they they have this you know capability afterwards like you want to know that because now when you go to start designing workouts you're like if i need them to get this capability boom hill runs are the way that we're going to do it so yeah Don't get me talking about data. See, didn't I tell you this hour was going to fly by? I didn't didn't realize it's (laughs) 12.03. See, because like when you're having just just authentic conversation, it it doesn't feel like it rather than, now, Stacey Ann, what did you think of me as a child? It's like I started doing this. People would send me the talking points. I'm like, this stuff is boring. (laughs) I'm like, we can get there. But like, I want to just naturally get there. Yeah. All right. So give us some final thoughts. Yeah. Final thoughts are like, listen, relationships are super important. I don't care what you're doing in life. Um, Relationships are um, very important. Um, and I would just say that, listen, I am a big believer of ideas. Um, write your ideas down. I don't care if it's in the middle of the night, have a notebook by, by you, put it in your phone, something, keep your ideas and don't be um, hesitant. Don't be scared to have somebody help you flesh out those ideas. Yes. Love it. Love it. Love it. Well, thank you very much for taking the time. As I said earlier, you know, thank you again. So I learned a lot, you know, and all <laughs> kinds of notes out, out over here. And um, like I said, I really didn't know what it meant to be a nuclear engineer. But it's like, I like, like the whole journey that you, that we went through just now, was it's all pretty amazing. Like you should be very, very proud of yourself. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for having me. It's always great to have like genuine conversations, so.
My pleasure. Yeah, like I said, I'm gonna I'm gonna connect you up with some of my my uh, podcast buddies and uh, help you keep spreading out your word. So don't sign off yet. Okay, I'll be right <laughs> back with you. All right, take care. All right, so that was Stacy. And if you're joining in late, please go back and watch the rest of it. And especially if you have an idea of something that you want to do, like I said, there's experts out there for everything. And there's experts out there for this as well. And Stacy Ann is one of them. So if you have something that you want to bring to life, reach out to her. Right. Um, let me put them up here again real quick. Her w- website is here. I'm going to spell it for the audio peeps, D-A-R-A-J-A Collective. Dot com. I want to assume you can spell collective. Ah. And you can find her on social at idea to pitch. Okay, at idea to pitch. I D E A T O P I T C H. And let the pros help you. All right, that's all I got for you for today. I will be back tomorrow with our pre Thanksgiving episode. And then I'll be back again on Friday. And the next All Star panel will be on December. Fourth is not with these six people. They were in the last panel, but just so you know how we do. It'll be six of my former guests, and we'll, we will be tackling the New Year's resolutions. All right. Have a great day. You've been listening to Shut Up and Grind. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. Robert has over 20 years experience pouring his knowledge and expertise at many events in the service and fitness industry, as well as secondary schools and universities. He has a true passion for helping others break through the barriers that are holding them back. To book Robert B. Foster to speak or to reach out, go to robertbfoster.com. Till next time, shut up and grind.